Hello, everybody, and welcome to another exciting edition of Still Waiting. I'm your host, Matthew Bradby, and I'm just so glad that you are taking a few minutes out of your busy schedule to tune in. Uh, the sole purpose of this podcast or this vlog is uh, simply to be a voice for the ones that feel like they're the voiceless. Um, through statistical studies, I've found that there are millions of people who um, suffered during COVID-19, the pandemic, the quarantine, the lockdowns. Uh, millions of people lost their jobs or were out of work. We've lost hundreds of thousands of people to death due to COVID. Um, we've lost people due to mental health uh, also with COVID. And one of the greatest issues that many people, I'm talking about law-abiding, tax-paying citizens. I'm not talking about people who are scam artists. I'm not talking about people who are lazy, just want to sit home and not work. Well, one of the issues that I've seen and I've witnessed was, um, and I know the system was overwhelmed, but people still haven't gotten their unemployment. They haven't gotten the rental assistance. I'm hearing stories daily of people being evicted, people still looking for work. Uh, and I know people were saying like, hey, you know, there are jobs out there. You know, people are. Um, and I'm hearing, I'm actually hearing and seeing people going in, placing applications, uh, trying to find work. Um, there are people who've lost their jobs, are now homeless people who've lost their jobs and displaced families living in multiple places. So it's been horrific. This pandemic is more than just the disease. It's the effects uh, on society that we all, we are all still struggling with. This pandemic is not over. It's not over. You know, even though they lift the mask mandates, people are still getting sick uh, in spite of uh, the vaccinations. Uh, and we thank God that, you know, um, that things have slowed up, but this is a reality. And uh, me, I can just share my experience for this first episode. Um, and I hope that it brings hope and light to your situation because you are not alone. You are definitely not alone. I know a lot of people out there think this is just them. No, it's hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people who have still not received their benefits, not received their assistance. It has nothing to do with people saying they're lazy. I heard a guy the other day. He says, well, people are lazy. They're not trying to work. It has nothing to do with that. And I tell people there are people who work for 15, 20 years put into the system uh, that when they lost their jobs and they were displaced and they went through um, COVID, they didn't receive one dime. I don't know how so many so many people survived the pandemic because they had no money coming in. Uh, they had more money going out. They couldn't move around. The cost of food went up. The cost of gas went up. All kinds of stuff was happening. Um, we did get the stimulus checks, but you know, if you lost, you know, one thing they had the moratorium that you couldn't get evicted, but that was lifted. And for people who haven't gotten their unemployment or people who haven't gotten their, their assistance to um, helping pay back rent, because again, that's reality. When that moratorium was lifted, uh, landlords can now begin to file in court for evictions. Um, 
it's not because people don't want to pay their bills. People couldn't. And there's a difference between people who want to and people who can't because of a situation. So what I want to do now is I want I want to uh, give you a, a little synopsis on my personal story. Uh, I remember when the pandemic first hit, I was in the car business. Uh, and as you all know, somehow or another, the car business, selling cars, was deemed essential employment. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, I was blessed to work. I'm glad I, I did. Well, I had the opportunity to work. I was a manager at the time. Um, and I was in the car business. Excuse me. And, um, you know, uh, I was working one job uh, where I was an internet sales manager and people started getting sick and it started to worry me because my wife is a cancer survivor. My, my young child that lived with me, he has asthma. So I was like really cautious. So me and my wife put together a flow program that every time I came in the house, I would take all my clothes off, put them in a bag, we would wash them. I would shower. I would de, you know, de, you know, decontaminate myself um and that worked for quite a while um i suffered I, I wound up getting bronchitis i thought i had got covid when i was at that place it's just it was just too much just too many people coming through too many people coughing mentally it, it it affected me and then my boss was a that's a whole new story he was on something and uh i left that job and i was out of work Excuse me. Preferably about, let me see, about a few weeks, about four four weeks, when I went back to my old job where I was a manager. And I went back there as a salesman. I went back there as a salesman. It was pretty much against my my my, my good judgment, but I told my wife um, at that time I had applied for unemployment and it was taking forever. And I told her, I, we can't sit back and wait. You know, I got to get to work. The car industry is still open and we got back to work. And one thing that a lot of people don't realize when Maryland's automotive facilities was open, a lot of states like Pennsylvania and Virginia and New York, those places were shut down. They couldn't, you know, they couldn't go buy a car there and people uh, were leaving their states. Excuse me. To come come to Maryland, they were leave, leaving their state. So we had people from Pennsylvania. I had people fly from California. People coming from New York. People coming from Georgia. Now this thing, they're coming from places all around the country that were pretty much shut down. I mean, New York. We know we remember that when they had the bodies uh, mounting up to the point where they had to uh, literally put them inside of. Um, box cars and stuff like that and refrigerating units so it was really 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 bad it was really bad but people were still traveling out of state to buy cars and we had people driving from georgia maine new york uh, and i remember when i was at the dealership I, I, uh, one of my co-workers had a lady i think from georgia and she kept coughing and stuff and i had went and said something to the managers and they was like, don't worry about it. And we got our mask and blah, 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 blah. At that time, um, the uh, CDC was saying it wasn't airborne. It was just on substances. But, you know, we all know that germs pass through sneezes, coughs, and all that stuff like that. Uh, long story short, um, 
I went home that Saturday. That was like September the 19th, 2020. Um, I wasn't feeling good and I wasn't feeling good. Come to find out that not just me, but a few of my coworkers got sick. Uh, I was out of work. I woke up the next day. My wife and son were getting ill. Uh, my son was, had a minor fever. My wife started feeling bad. Um, and then I started feeling real bad. I mean, I started feeling weak, couldn't breathe, headaches, achy. It wasn't until a few days when I was with my wife and I discovered that I had lost my taste. And it was funny. That was really funny because of the simple fact that um, my wife uh, had fixed me a turkey wrap and she put a lot of mustard on it. I love mustard. I'm a mustard fan. So she put the turkey. She gave me the turkey turkey wrap. And I, I started getting mad. I said, didn't I ask you to put mustard on it? And she said, I put mustard on it. So we went back and forth. And then I opened up the wrap and discovered I was wrong again. <laughs> I was wrong. And she had put a lot of mustard. I just lost my taste. So right away, I knew I had COVID. You know, I, I knew I had COVID. Then I went through the drive-thru at CVS after making my appointment. And they confirmed that I had COVID. My wife had COVID. My little one had COVID. And, um... As time progressed, I was getting worse. My wife uh, was getting real bad, and she went to lay down. And thank God for my good friend, David. He called her, and he never calls her. I don't know why he called her. We just trust God. And he called her and woke up. At that time, she was barely breathing and stuff. So um, I had to, in my sick state, I was barely able to walk. I mean, I could walk from here to the bathroom and be sweating profusely, out of breath. My little one, his symptoms pretty much subsided within a few days and he was back to normal. Uh, I had to take my wife in the middle of the night and drag her to our car, load her up, and we went to the hospital. And I called them and said she had COVID and they told us, don't come in. Excuse me. He said, don't uh, come in. Um, wait in the car. And we would tell you when to come in. And when they did, they, they told me to go get a wheelchair. And I had to go get out the car. And I'm, again, I'm tired. I mean, I'm literally, fuck, I ran 20 miles. Had to load in a wheelchair and put her in the turnstile uh, with that little turnstile thing. And I had to leave her there. And I was so weak that it took me about 20 minutes when I got back to the car to even drive home. But worse I was hearing the stories that people who took their loved ones to the hospital. They never saw them again. So that was on my mind. I mean, I, I was literally stressed out. I mean, stressed out because I didn't think I was going to see her again. But I was so tired and so sick. And it took me 20 minutes to get in my car and drive um, to drive to, you know, home. And then when I got home, I stayed in the car for about 15 minutes. I woke my little one up and we got to the house and I fell asleep on the chair. I was so tired that I didn't take my coat off or nothing. And at that time, my young one, he was going through, uh, he was in school. So he was doing virtual learning. So he would get up on his own, fix his little breakfast and he would come in there and he would make sure I would get, you know, get some drink and stuff. He helped me get out my clothes and I laid on that chair for about three, about three days. I remember going in and out. In and out, in and out. Now, that comes to tell y'all something. I'm, I'm going to just say this. There was no contingency plan. I mean, I don't think we really thought about it, but everything was locked down. 
Uh, my wife was in the hospital. I was homesick and I had a child home with me um, on virtual learning. But there was no plan. Think about it. If both parents get sick and hospitalized, who takes care of a child who was positive for COVID? Nobody, right? Um, so I fought. I fought. I, I said, if I die, I'm going to die in my house, but I'm not going to leave this child uh, alone. And it, it, and I fought. It was sheer will. I remember going to the mailbox and collapsing on the street. I was walking down my drive path and I would wake up in the leaves looking at the sky. I just was so weak and it was it hit me so hard. Um, but my wife was in the hospital. She was getting treatment. Family and friends were bringing food, thank God, and leaving it on the steps um, for me. And then my son, bless his little heart, he went out there and dragged it in, put it in the refrigerator. I mean, at that time, that child literally was my saving grace. He made sure I ate. He made sure I was drinking. He would come and sit on my feet. I'm laying on the sofa. He would come sit on my feet. And I guess that was him let me know he was dead. He had his video game and he was playing his video game and he would talk to me about his day. Uh, the amazing thing is for so many people that was complaining about virtual learning, he was actually excelling and uh, he would get up and go to school every day, every day. Excuse me. Um, I remember my wife, my wife contacted his teachers and was telling them, well, you know, we both sick. We both had COVID and Dylan may not be coming to school, but Dylan made us out a lot. That child went to school every day and he made sure he ate and everything and I said after a few days, I started feeling better, but I still didn't feel like I couldn't catch my breath. It felt like it was a fight. So I was going to, uh, when I was able, I did, they did a virtual medical screen in autonomy medicine, gave me an asthma pump and some medications to try to help. Um, but, you know, it took me a long time. And then I was later after everything was, I started, I got diagnosed with bronchitis. Uh, they said my A1C levels elevated and now I was uh, pre-diabetic to the point where they were giving me metformin. Um, I started to develop, I developed a whole lot of issues. Uh, my chest was killing me. All kinds of stuff was going on. I mean, I mean, literally, I've never felt that bad in my life. I felt that every day probably should be my last day. That's how I felt. But I said to myself that I have to hold on because my baby boy. Um, a few days later, it was like maybe five or six days, I was able to go pick my wife up from the hospital and bring her home. And again, I was still done. I mean, I, I, I just couldn't have my lung capacity. I could walk from here to the bathroom and be sweating profusely. I would come back and would collapse pretty much on a chair and just really couldn't shake it. Uh, that's when I learned the, the, the term long hauler. And my wife had suffered so bad that it, it damaged her heart and she was still going through some of them symptoms as well. So it took us months. I mean, literally, I was out of work from September through March. It took me, I was out of work for like 10, 10 months because, again, my I was in the doctor's care. And at that time, I was following my filing my unemployment. I, apply, I filed for all types of assistance. Um, social services did give us food stamps and we would thank the Lord for that because again, out of work that long, we did have food, but that ended after a certain period of time. 
Um, I would still do my federal with my certs and everything. And we had a storm here in Maryland and it knocked out uh, electricity in my area. And I missed uh, my my uh, unemployment, finally I my unemployment hearing and I filed an appeal and uh, later on, months later, <laughs> But again, throughout those courses, we didn't receive any type of money coming in. We had to live off of savings, blew through 401k. Um, it was horrible. I mean, literally to the point where, you know, sold my car. Uh, it was just all about survival. Uh, family, thank God for family and friends who sowed seeds in our lives and helped us. You know, even through that, we even got our car repossessed. <laughs> And I know people say, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, we got our car repossessed uh, during the pandemic and stuff. And we got it back, thank God, from people uh, coming to our rescue. But again, we did not receive any money. And what was stressful for me was I was seeing people coming into the car dealership getting ungodly amounts of money. And they weren't sick. They wasn't doing nothing. They were just pretty much sitting at home collecting $750, $850 a week more money than they made when they were working and buying cars. And that was the first time in my life that we could use unemployment income like that to justify purchasing the car. So, you know, people were actually purchasing cars and stuff. And it was like, wow. Um, jump forward again, I was still going through my stuff. So after missing that appeal, it was about a year later, a year later, we talk about 2021, December, I had my appeals hearing and they were back to back. I was then back to work. I was working remotely from at home and I had my hearing and one was back and I didn't have enough time to do both appointments. So I was like, well, the job from the um, the Internet management was like I was out of work for maybe four weeks. I said, bump that. Let me uh, jump on um, the hearing call with the one that I was out of work for 10 months. So I won that appeal. Um, I sent over all my medical documents. I sent over all uh, witness statements from the doctor. I sent over insurance stuff. I sent over my positive COVID uh, testing. Uh, everything, I sent over a packet about maybe about 17 to 20 pages. Um, and I won the hearing. Uh, again, that's, that's like December of 2021. So it's been over a year. Didn't receive any money. Um, and now to this date, they still haven't released the money. Every time I call unemployment, I get a different person for the most part. I call daily, sometimes twice a day to check up on the status of um, my claim. They, they awarded me all my back money, all my government assistance, everything. But I haven't seen it. And that was in December. It's now March. And it stays still pending. So I called there every day before they were saying, well, we need to wait for the courts of lower appeals to update the case. Well, it was updated. It's in the system. It's on my portal, all that stuff. And now it says pending. So I have about 30 tickets in right now. I mean, literally, I've called every day. I've asked to speak to supervisors. They say they can't do anything for me, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's the same old song and dance every day. And it says pending. Uh, and I'm like, I mean, why is it still pending? You know, um, 
I understand they said they were short staffed, but I'm talking about months. I'm talking about it's to the point where people uh, literally could be dying or died um, and still haven't received it. So my wife and I began to write a letter campaign. I've written all my senators, delegates, governor, lieutenant governor. Uh, we reached out to judges. Um, I mean, daily we're contacting people and uh, they haven't received. I mean, I literally heard my, uh, my, my elected officials telling me that um, they haven't updated them. And it's like a standstill. Uh, it's going on. It's two years already. It's going to probably, it looks like it's going to be another three years. And it's not fair because every program is backed up. And I understand what they were saying about the backup and the lack of people working. But again, we're talking about life saving assistance for so many people. And people are being, I mean, literally, I've seen people homeless homeless, losing everything, landlords evicting. Um, I know they had the uh, rental assistance programs and stuff. Um, but like the guy said the other day, uh, he says, you know, if, if you get evicted, they won't give the back rent to the people. Uh, but again, you're left without a house. You don't have income coming in. And I've ran into two guys on social media who are literally wheelchair bound with oxygen and they're trying to get um, their disability status along with unemployment, along with rental assistance. And it's just mountain up. And I just, again, I joined a Facebook group and I've talked to so many people. And as a minister, I could pray for him, but it got to a point where one guy said, prayer is not working for me, man. I, I, I need, I need this help now. Um, it's just got, you know, a little bit daunting because it hurts to see people hurting, um, and you going through yours, but you're seeing people worse. I saw a guy who is the sole care provider for his mom. And for some reason, other, he wasn't getting all the benefits he needed to help assist her. So they lived off of his salary as a chef. And when restaurants closed down, he was out of work, but he didn't get his unemployment. Another mother, she had five kids and she was awarded her unemployment. The kids were home on virtual learning and she didn't get hers. Um, after my after I recovered, I still was taking care of my wife, who still was suffering from the results or the the not the symptoms, but the damage uh, left by COVID. So this is a real battle for people and. People say, you know, we've reached out to this person and that person and no one really feels like they care. Um, the purpose of this um, podcast, uh, this group came when I discovered a guy I've been in touch with for you know, pretty much for the last say, five or six months. Uh, we would, you know, hit each other up on Facebook and stuff. Well, found out that a week ago he committed suicide and. I know people have their their sayings about it, but again, we you don't know the agony, the pain, the hurt that comes, and then mental illness, stress creates PTSD. Stress also opens up doors, uh, and you know, and when you when a person loses hope, 
um, it hurts when they when they hurt, when they lose hope. They just you know get suicidal. They don't get the treatment. They generally uh, pass. And I just wanted to be the person that said, "Let me be the catalyst. Let me reach out to people. Let me do more than just pray. I want to create a venue, a platform that people are heard." Uh, I may not can give you money, but I can give you a voice. And I believe the the the, the squeaky wheel gets the oil, gets the oil. So I wanted to host a show where daily I bring people on the show, and we discuss. We hear their story because their story matters, uh, and hopefully uh, through our combined efforts, uh, we can get a resolve to this. Uh, long after I get my money and I'm, you know, and my back money and I can pay off all my debts and I can try to replenish, um, my savings accounts, you know, just think I'm 50, I'll be 51 this year. I have blur burn through 401k out there. So that was savings. Uh, and because, you know, again, I teach, uh, financial literacy, credit repair, uh, a lot of damage was done to my personal finances and we were teaching you got to have at least six months of uh, of resources saved up. But what happens when you go 10 months up to a year, um, you burn through that. So the thing is right now is to give you people a platform to be heard. So I will be interviewing people. We will hear their stories. Hopefully, um Something happens that allow us, uh, you know, really allow us to break through this pending. You know, I, I used to think that maybe it's because they don't have the money to give. And then ladies and no, it's not the money, it's the process. The process is broken. Uh, the process is antiquated. The process wasn't set up to handle this influx of people. And I'm like, okay, well, people are back to work. There's no lockdowns. You know, you've hired a lot of people. Uh, but why haven't we moved ahead? Why haven't these pending things, people been approved for their benefits? There's nothing standard. It's just saying pending. And no one can get past the pending stage. So Still Waiting, the podcast, is the place for you. Is the place for you. You will have a voice if you would like. Um, you know, not everybody wants their story to be heard, but I believe that it takes humility and transparency to help people. My pain may help someone else. My story may give hope to someone else. Um, and it may open up doors if enough of us, enough of us. So, I mean, we got plenty. We have plenty of people out there with stories. So if you have a story and you would like to come on and share this story and be a part of the show, I mean, I would love for you. Let me know uh, if you're looking at this one, um, put it in the comments. Yes, I would like to be part of the story. Um, DM me, uh, send me a direct message, or you could email me at still waiting podcasts. It's right here. Still waiting podcast one at gmail.com. Um, I'll be reaching out. Please make sure you have your phone number, your email and your full name. We'll bring you in the show and we'll just talk. We'll just talk. I want to hear your story. I want to hear where you are. Um, as horrific as it may be, people need to know that you not, you're not 
uh, unemployed or you are not the way you are because you choose to be. But a horrific event called COVID-19 came in and dismantled many people's lives. Um, even during the pandemic, we had people have hurricanes and natural weather disasters and flooding. So life happened and it hurt a lot of us. But there's a, you know, there's a thing that I say in church still standing. Uh, so are we still waiting? We're still standing. And I want you to know you're not alone. You are not alone. You are not alone. And if you feel hurt or you feel like taking your life or you feel like you need somebody to talk to right here, I want you to call those numbers, contact these people because they're there for you. You're not weak. You're not dumb. You're not stupid. Okay. You're going through medical conditions and mental breakdowns. It happens to the strongest people. You've been under stress for so long. Now you need help and we're here for you. So my resources down here, I'm not a medical professional. I'm a, I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm a man. I'm a husband, a brother, a friend, and I'm here to let you know you're not alone. So again, please, please, please share this page, share it in your groups, prepare to come on. We want to hear your story. I believe that something's good is coming out of us still waiting. And I am praying for you and your family. I understand what it's like. And it don't matter if you're working right now. Some of you got debts uh, a year or two and you want to cover them and you want to replenish your money and you want to do things. And again, we're here for you. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Again, you'll see a new episode every day. I haven't set up a time, so I'll be just popping in, throwing things up. But if you click the like button and if you're on uh, YouTube, if you click the subscribe button and click the bell icon, every time a new episode is uploaded, you will be notified. So please do that. If you're on uh, Instagram and Facebook, like the page, share the page come back. We'll let you know as soon as a new episode comes up and we're growing. We're growing leaps and bounds. This is going, this is a, it's bigger than me. This is a us thing. United we stand, divided we fall. Your voice, your voice is important. Your situation is important and you are. And I believe that's why God allowed me to do this. All right. Thank you for tuning in once again to the Still Standing podcast. I look forward to talking to you and joining you soon. Peace and blessings.